Initializing recap. I will say, in case you haven't heard, Victor Benson has been confirmed killed. And she says, is it these two? And you see a picture of Greg and Freg. Those sons of bitches. I don't know how to tell you guys this, so... And she puts her finger down and scrolls to the top. It says, deceased crew of the Nightcrawler. (laughs) What? With the power of the council, I clear the three of you of all charges and your tavern restored to its full operation. You see a face in the crowd. Of course I do. Fuck me. And it's as it. Some of the people in the front row, they're mouthing things. Remember when I mentioned the reckoning and the being controlled? That's happening. Bazin, this is not over. This will never be over. I will keep hunting you. I will find you. I will end this. Astrid walks up to you and she says, I think we need to figure out who's behind this. And I have an idea where to start. Recap complete. Welcome back to another exciting episode of No Quest for the Wicked. Gentlemen, I have two questions for you. Okay. Lay it on me. Are you ready to rock? I am. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now, please. more importantly, are you ready to roll? Now, is it more important? I think so. Okay. Because if you weren't ready to roll, we wouldn't be able to do most of the game. That's I could roll and not be ready, you know? I think we could play a game without dice. But even if you're rolling, maybe I'm not ready for it. Maybe it's just happening. It's okay. That's fair. Either way, you guys have said yes to both of the questions, so we're going to do this. I'm excited. Rocking and rolling styles. Uh, You guys are currently standing on the steps of the Federation of Council's high chambers. People leaking silver liquid, shouting about a reckoning, attacked you. Now Astrid has told you that she has an idea how to solve this silver liquid mystery. Have we have we gotten this thing under like computers or like some into some scientist's hands? Not yet. No, you guys pretty much went from the cube to crash landing on a planet and then stopping in a pocket. You have not really had a chance to get this looked at yeah. at all. It's It's been a busy time. I think we need a science officer. Um, <laughs> That's too real. Maybe those sexy twin doctors would have figured it out. If only we had a med bay. If only we, we had, had a med bay. <sighs> we don't need it. All right, we'll be fine. Okay, so where are we to in this moment? Dan, let's set the scene for us. Are we still outside the building? Have we moved inside to Astrid's, Astrid's office? Um, no, you guys are still standing on the steps. Uh, you can see patients in the distance kind of like tending to the crowd. Angine is also out there helping the Athenus guards uh, sort of round up people and make sure they're okay. Uh, Michael Malibu is behind you with Thimble, who are... She's still filming, but she seems to have stopped now as just a means to get a little bit of evidence to make sure that you weren't blamed for this again. And that is that is kind of scene. And Astrid is is standing there on the, the stage with you by the podium, and she has just told you that she has an idea. What what are you thinking? Therum is is very much a planet of both culture and knowledge. We have hundreds of underwater research facilities. I am close friends with someone aboard one of the research facilities known as the Ark. It was a human created 
uh, facility by a man who was inspired by the events of the decline on Earth as a means to preserve and save endangered species and make sure that anything, any cataclysm like that, again, we would be able to protect the the world's flora and fauna. If you want to know more, you can roll culture if you would like to know, or you can ask Astrid um, to see what what you want to know about any of this. I'll roll a culture. Ooh, that's a 20. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, so you know this was, um, I already gave you a lot of it, but this was originally created by a dude named Xavier Ross. He was a scientist who uh, worked on Earth. He was a like a biologist and a zoologist. And one of his biggest regrets was not being able to save a lot of the Earth wildlife. And he actually named his Eris vessel the Ark because what he tried to do was take as many Earth species as possible with him to preserve their lives. And when he got here and he realized that like, oh, there is so much more life out in the galaxy and it it sort of like hit him and dawned on him that like even though we lost so much when earth was destroyed or at least abandoned there is there was all this other life that could still be saved and Mm. that is why he started this facility so the the actual base itself is uh at its core uh, an eris shuttle oh cool that's that's what i was going to ask next Is, is it like the start of the base down there Yes. So he cool. repurposed it and the the main sort of like structure or, or sort of like the, the heart of it. And then they have added to it as they received funding and as they grew more capable and could take on more animals. And it is essentially like, you know, the seed database in like Norway or whatever. Yes. Uh, yes. Where, yeah. 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 Where they have like yeah. every seed. Yeah. It's like a yeah. doomsday apocalypse scenario so that they could, if anything terrible ever happens, that they could rebuild and regrow a bunch of crops and stuff. It is essentially that. Cool. I even think they have some extinct species too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's like what the, the main premise of it now is they do like rehab stuff. They take endangered species that can no longer exist within ecosystems for whatever reason, either like invasive or poaching or whatever. But they also sequence uh, DNA sequence the animals so that should the technology ever exist to essentially recreate mm-hmm. these animals if they ever become extinct. Cool. So they have like the sequencing and the animals or is it just the sequencing? No, it's both. Cool. Yeah. Sick. But the animals themselves are the ones that like can't exist out in the wild, almost like a like a sanctuary. Okay. So it's not like every animal is just endangered species right now? Correct. Or Or species that like have lost their habitat due to whatever reason. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, and yeah, that is that is what you know of of the the Ark Initiative and the Ark Research Facility. Do they have space cacapos? Yeah, of course they do. If you don't know what that is, look them up, guys. They're great. So, uh, Astrid, I I think it's a great idea. However, in, for some reason, the pessimist in me taking the silver liquid that we have into a, sh- a ship that has a lot of like valuable life life forms. Mm. <laughs> I mean, seems like a bad recipe. We don't know how the liquid is controlling people. Everywhere we've brought this, there's been a lot of fire. Maybe it doesn't have to actually make like physical contact with anything, you know? Maybe its mere presence is enough to set things over the edge. We have no idea. Astrid nods and says, "That's I understand your concern. Trust me, I get it. But the longer we go without knowing anything, we will just continue to stand here and guess as things get worse. Fine, but if I have to murder an evil space 
cockapoo or whatever Cody just mentioned, uh, I will be very upset. I, I understand your hesitancy. I am going to call ahead and talk to my contact there. Uh, she is the head researcher, so she will make sure that as many security protocols are in place for your arrival. Also, on the same note, before I forget to mention, Azen is on this planet. Is there any way for us to keep track of who's coming and going? I know it's a giant planet. I know there's a lot going on, but it's a very important planet. So there must be well-kept logs of all the ships coming and going. We, there should be a log somewhere of how he got here anyway, right? Well, did we all see him or was it just Merrick? Um, oh, I, that's a good question. A couple of you passed their, the, the perception check. I don't remember off the top of my head who saw okay. it, but more more than Merrick saw it. Okay. 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 That would have been a really crazy twist, Dan, just saying. As it's not real, it's just been me the whole time. Yeah, I w- that would have been like legit crazy. Well, I mean, all three of you have seen him <laughs> and talked to him. <laughs> Astrid nods and says, well, the good thing about having a singular city on an entire planet is it's pretty easy to track comings and goings. So I will reach out to my contact at the Ministry of Defense and we will start scanning ships for this Asin. Merrick, when you have a moment, I do want to talk to you about something. Yeah, when we, I'm assuming we'll be on a ship going underwater in a little bit, so. Astrid uh, says, I'm going to need a, a couple, probably probably the rest of the day to sort of figure out how to facilitate this and do this safely. So I'm going to let you guys enjoy your freedom a little bit while I figure out how to do this safely and how to get you down there and, and hopefully solve this problem. So please... Enjoy your freedom. Enjoy the city. It is a beautiful place. So take a second, take a deep breath, and tomorrow we will we'll start to get to the bottom of this. Not sure if we said it before, but thank you, Astrid. We we have this freedom because of you. Yeah, thank you. It means a lot. I just wish we could have done it sooner. But let's now focus on saving some lives. Sounds like a plan. And Astrid uh, heads off. She she starts walking towards uh, some other government buildings, and you guys get a call from Jenny and Shortcheck. Um and they have been released from their holding. I wonder how Shortcheck's holding up. And yeah, and, and so Shortcheck is on the phone and you see Jenny kind of like peeking over his shoulder and he's he says, uh, hey guys, um so I guess you don't need to tell us the good news, but congratulations on not being uh kind of like the most wanted people in the system. Also, um you guys good? Well, I hope that wasn't too boring for your song, Jenny. But yeah, we're free people. Short Jack, the thing I got you to hide earlier, when you get back to the ship, make sure it's safe, okay? Yeah, I got it. Um, I'll give you guys some options. Uh, There are some of your buddies are here, uh, like Mikhail is here, uh, Patience is here, Angine is here, Thimble is here. If you'd like to do anything with them or talk to them or do whatever, by all means, you can. I'm going to use the resolve point just in case anything crazy happens. Oh, to recover stamina? Yes. Okay, I, I will say the, the talk with uh, Astrid was counted as a, a rest. So anyone who wants to restore stamina can do that. Uh, I want to talk to uh, Thimble. Yeah, she uh, she comes out now that the, the chaos has subsided with Mikhail, and uh, she she puts the camera down. I kind of want to like shuffle up to her and like, hey, can 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 I like have, have a word? And like kind of like nod to the side just a little bit away from everybody uh yeah of course yeah 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 you guys go off to like maybe sit down on on the stairs away from everyone i put my hand out i'm like hi i'm cody i'm thimble 
and she shakes your hand. And once again, you note that like metal thumb and and a really impressive grip. <laughs> I, I I've been not good at this. I pulled a shotgun on you, and a friend of mine recently told me kind of some of the things that I've been doing with them, and I think it applies to to, to you. I think I've been weird. I meant it in a, a way, a good way. I wanted to say sorry and thank you. You've done a lot for us, and I know you're very important to Durin, and Durin's very important to me. So I was hoping we could start over. You see tears kind of form in her eyes. They get really glisteny and, and watery, and she just gives you a really big hug. Uh, I hug her back. And she says, Cody, that really, really means a lot to me. Thank you. I know that's that's not an easy thing to admit or to say to someone, and I I really appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, you you deserve it. You're you're an absolute badass. Uh, she she smiles and she wipes the the tears from her eyes and she just says, "I just hope I can continue being helpful." You have already done more than anyone could have ever asked for. So maybe you know just anyway. Thank you. I I am not good at a lot of things, and. You're really cool. I just like pat her awkwardly on the shoulder. <laughs> uh, she smiles and she says, well, you're pretty good at apologies. I'm not sure that's true, but maybe this one went well. Thank you. Someday you got to tell us the story of how you met Dern, by the way. If that's not weird. Is that weird? Am I being weird again? She like kind of grimaces a little bit. <laughs> um, Merrick and Dern, would you like to talk to anyone? Uh, I want to talk. I want to have just a quick one on one conversation with Merrick before we put off. Yeah, okay. I will say that's this is a great time to do it. Yeah. Merrick sits on a step. Like he just goes and sits on a step somewhere and is just like looking at the ground. I hand him one of the churros that I picked up from the local vendor. Oh no. We know <laughs> what happens when you get churros. Uh you got a moment? Yeah. What's on your mind, Dirk? I know you're constantly saying you don't know what Azen's thinking and such, mm. you know. How many steps ahead do you think he might actually be with all of this? I don't know. The issue is, Duran, is that I don't know if this is something Azen has been planning since we before we met. If he started planning it while we met, while we were, you know, spending time together, or whether he's been planning this for a hundred years. I have no idea. I keep One of the on, chances he knows that we're going to end up at that underwater base. I, if you had to guess, you don't. I understand he's unpredictable and shit, but if you had to guess, well, it all depends on whether there's something on that arc that he wants. Because I still don't know if we're involved in this out of pure randomness, some kind of fate, or whether it's in his script, his playbook, that we have to be involved. I don't know. The last time we spoke, he made it seem like it was a coincidence. Okay. I just keep on going through my notes. I have an old one of my old notebooks where I kept a track of everything we did together, for better and for worse. And I keep on going through it, saying, why were we on this planet? Or why was he on this planet? Why was he here? There's got to be a pattern or something. There's got to be something in my notes that will if it point isn't us obvious, I think the pattern is you. I don't know. I'm just expecting trouble when we get down there. Uh, I'm sure of it, but we can't keep living our lives like as in some kind of ghost that's going to poke around every corner. We just have to keep on moving forward and doing what's best for us. Yeah. The three of you get a notification on your phone, and on it, it says... Uh, it's from Astrid, and it says, figured you might want a little pampering after everything you've been through. 
please enjoy. And there are five reservations for a stay at a hotel called the Grand Royale. Oh, best oh, no. lawyer ever. <laughs> Dern, I can't tell if you're rubbing off on me because her friendliness is making me paranoid. Uh, I don't think it's. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It comes with the territory of living with me, I suppose. That's all right. Let's go drink some bubbly wine, get fucked up, and then get in a jacuzzi. Yeah, yeah Cody's like beaming since he saw the mess. She's going towards you guys. But outside of that, I do want to spend some time with Thimble, but uh, I'll let Merrick do his thing first. Oh, no, Merrick is just going to wait for us to go to the hotel. He's pretty down. Uh, yeah, before you guys head over, uh, Duren, you can absolutely talk to, to Thimble. Well, there are five reservations, too. I assume Thimble's coming with us. No, that's for a short check and Oh, Jenny. Okay, fair. Correct. Yeah, it, it is for your crew. I actually thought she was invited too, oddly enough. If you if you want to not invite one of your crew to invite Limble. <laughs> <laughs> we can humble Jenny a little bit, you know. That'll be fine. <laughs> you get a call, Merrick, from a unknown number. <sighs> uh I'm gonna like like is patience or someone I trust nearby? Uh patience, Cody and Jean. Any okay. I'm just gonna like give them like a like, hey, come over here real quick. Uh, I shovel over. Just listen in while I take this call, just in case. I know. I uh, answer the phone. Uh, hello. Hello, Merrick. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Hey. I just wanted to call and congratulate you on your newfound freedom and, therefore, henceforth, my freedom as well. Yeah, Nix, congratulations to yourself. Thank you. Now, gentlemen, I know you're on a Phoenix, and it just so happens that, well, maybe I've taken to the buying and selling of commodities during my brief exile, and I've decided to open up a brick-and-mortar Nicks-Nacks shop. If you are interested in procuring any Nicks or Nacks, please feel free to swing on by. Will do. You treated us well last time. I appreciate it. We'll swing by there as soon as we can. So, yes, you now know that there is a shop in which you can spend your hard-earned credits if you would like to buy anything on Athenus. Do we Do we have any credits? We all have some credits still. Have credits I have a bunch of credits. Before, yeah. I, don't think I, have, I don't have that many, I don't think. All right, boys, you want to go shopping or hit this hotel? We may as well go shopping first. Uh, yeah, yeah. Can um, we... Jump up into the air and freeze frame and say shopping and then cut Let's to... Let's go shopping! Well, did you want to do something with Thimble, Darren? I, I do, but I don't know when you want to, like, situate that. We can do it now. If yeah, Me and Cody you can run off and give you guys give you some one-on-one. Meet us at the shop, Darren. We have some shopping to do. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go pull Thimble aside and be like, I know it's been a while, but uh, you want to go on a proper date? Uh, she's got, like, a data pad that she was looking at, and she drops it, and it shatters. And she's just like, uh, you really, you really should get better equipment. That's, uh, I hope that's under warranty. Did you, did you, um, okay, hold on. Jern, did you just ask me on a date? Oh, like, yeah, I mean, fuck it, right? I, I'll think about it. Okay. Cool. And she walks away. Okay. Like almost in a stupor, like just arms down by her side. And she just like wanders off. I feel like I'm in high school again. Um, and that conversation went a lot shorter than you probably were expecting. And you look over, Merrick and Cody have gotten like a couple feet away from you. <laughs> so you yeah. can go and catch up with them if you'd like. Cody's got an arm around Merrick's shoulder. I think I'm like, going to take a long walk so it, so everyone thinks it went longer. <laughs> <laughs> if 
Fair enough. Okay, you take the long way to the to Nixon next. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dane, like, what does the city look like? I just picture like a clean, like utopia. Is that sort of the vibe? Think like almost like Dubai, right? Like it's this big, almost like they're like they're rings, and like like all the districts and neighborhoods are these big hexagonal floating platforms, and then sort of in between them, almost like Venice style, there are these like I would say canals, but it is just the open ocean. There's just no hexagon platforms in that spot. But the the thing to note is there isn't really distinct quote unquote districts. Like there's no Cayenne district and no poor district. Therum and Athenas specifically does a very good job managing their sort of income gap. So there it's really no lower class, middle class, upper class that you would expect from a city that looks like this. Nice. So you have like residential buildings beside these sort of like large estates where the maids who work at the estates live in these like high-end condos right next door kind of situation. Um, and then there's the, the only like real difference of the districts are sort of like residential, commercial, industrial. And it is laid out in the sense that like there isn't each hexagon seems to like serve it a purpose in one of those three categories. And yes, everything is uh, these big white buildings. Almost everything is is a shade of white with black or gold trim. And that is kind of the the Federation uh, motif, like color palette is is white with black and gold. And you get cool. to uh, you get into the one of the, the commercial shopping districts and you find uh, Nix's new shop and it has like a big grand opening sign on the front. Yeah, Cody's just got his arm around Merrick and he's just like, what's it like having a brother? Oh, God, uh, I had a lot of them. Um, I've always wanted a brother and, and Alpha was like kind of a brother, but not. Mm. Not really. Even then, a little brother, you know? I feel like I'm a bad example for that question. Um, Why? You said you had many. Yeah, and I think over half of them have tried to kill me. Hmm. In, like, a bad way? In, yeah, well, in a, like, let's cause this guy harm, and if on the off chance he dies, it's not that bad of a big of a deal. Can I ask why? So, uh, yeah. So, uh, the way my... Yeah, no, Again, I've, I, I've learned I can be weird, so if I'm being weird, just tell me. No, 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 it's completely fine. Uh, so my family is set up, it's a tribe, uh, and I'm one of the sons of the matriarch of the family. Uh, she has three husbands, or had three husbands. She's had more than that, but she has a lot of partners with a lot of sons and daughters. Uh, all the sons are trying to sort of fight to be the protector, the guardian. Mm-hmm. But obviously you would expect that the firstborns would have an easy shot at that. I was born out of the 12 of us. I was number 12. Oh, the littlest brother. The littlest uh, from a, one of my mother's least favorite partners who was only there for a little bit before he died. I'm sorry. It's okay. But I, I was better. I got better faster. I got strong. I've seen you fight. I'm not surprised. So I became a threat. Uh, so my l- older brothers, when the opportunity arised, would try to punish me, to cripple me, but I wouldn't let them. I survived. I won. I got stronger. So no, we don't have a great relationship. There were a couple who I didn't mind. 11 mm-hmm. and 10. Um, yeah. Do you miss them? I know it doesn't maybe seem like you do with the story, but... Uh, my oldest brother, uh, Zane, 
I never thought that he he was a jealous type. He was always so much stronger and then braver and smart that for the longest time he would humor my existence until it became apparent that I was a threat. That put a strain in our relationship and then I refused to come home, which was the uh, final straw that broke the camel's back. And you still don't want to go home, eh? No. Is it because of the attempted crippling and stuff or is that just part of it? Um, cause Sothans have an issue, um, where they depend too much on the past. Yeah. Some of their views are just, uh, traditional, mm-hmm. which obviously has its place in the world, but it's not for me. You've outgrown them or, or the traditions anyway. Yeah. I like to say I take after my father. You said he, he died. Were you, were you young? Sorry. I know. No, it's, it's fine. Uh, yeah, I was, I, I wasn't, I remember it. I'm sorry. That's all I'll say about that. I think I have brothers now. I, I think of you and Durin like that. And I promise I'll never try to cripple you. All right. I'll take you <laughs> up on that. That's a promise though, right? Can, can I run into these fools? <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm like squeezing you in like one armed hug and I just like scoop you up and squeeze you to and like brothers. What, what I miss? Brothers, and I also oh. squeeze back. I I squeeze back. Brothers, <laughs> it's now, a question. Durin. After talking about my uh, <laughs> personal life, I need some shopping to make me feel better. I could use that too. Yeah, you you go into the shop, and Nix is sitting there, or at least a hologram of Nix is sitting there. That's fine. And uh, on the outside, it fits Theram's decor absolutely. And then you walk inside, and it's like you're in his bar. Like, it's really gaudy, very 80s Miami neon style, and also mixed with, like, a pawn shop. There's just shit everywhere. There's really no sort of, like, racks or sorting or inventory management. It's just sort of, like, stuff everywhere and then in front of the the nyx hologram is a big circular conveyor belt and sort of like a uh, like catalog on a screen uh i'm gonna start flicking through it sure yeah what do you want this is just my way of saying you can buy whatever you want i gave you the parameters earlier uh no item over level eight uh, and you can purchase whatever you'd like Cool. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Yeah. yeah, I have two things I'm, I'm grabbing. Okay, well, we'll start with you, Cody. You you were there, uh, so you tell me what you're buying. Uh, okay, so again, like, uh, the one issue I have with buying stuff is, like, I don't know how, like, for example, if I'm putting a, like, a fusion on my weapon, I don't know how that looks or how, what the process is, because the first thing I'm getting is a fusion for my weapon. Okay. So it's an adaptive fusion, which is really fun. Which weapon? Your boom knuckle? Boom knuckles, yeah. Yeah. It basically, it adapts to the enemy you're fighting. So the more you hit it, you get a list of successive bonuses, which is really cool. Okay. So if you hit something three times or more, your weapon ignores energy resistance or damage resistance equal to half the weapon's item level. If you hit them five times or more, you get an enhancement bonus to damage equal to half the item level. If you hit them seven times or more, they are flat-footed to all attacks you make. Damn. And they all stack as well. So like, it all keeps going. All right, you're going to keep track of that. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. And for bosses and shit, it's like, sounds great. Yeah, that's very cool. Um, so, yeah, you you find that in the catalog. You press a button and the conveyor belt whirls around for a second. And then eventually on one of the side, it comes like rotating out around and in front of you and it stops for you to grab it. Yeah, and I'm uh, I'm making it a 
a fusion seal so I can take it off and attach it to another weapon if, if needs be. Okay, cool. It costs 10% more. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to say, don't do that. Don't take mm-hmm. the 10% cost because I'm about to give you guys something that will change that. Okay. Interesting. Ominous. Ominous. Anything else? Oh yeah. I got a few other things. Uh, so one thing I kind of want in game to be just part of my jacket already, if that makes sense. Yeah. It feels weird to modify the jacket when it's this impressive like thing. So maybe I like get it repaired. Okay, sure. So you know those like super like rock star jackets when you like open up your arms and it's almost like the webbing, almost like a wingsuit. Okay. So I bought a wingsuit and I can attract like, retract or deploy it as a swift action. And it basically gives me bonuses to acrobatics and reduces falling damage and stuff like that. And it means if I'm falling like a long time, I can make small adjustments and like fly myself laterally moving like a bunch. So I can kind of use it as a wingsuit. It's a big drop. See, in my mind, for some reason, I just imagine like if someone bought a wingsuit from Wish and that's what you got. But (laughs) I don't know why. So that and I bought a resilient jacket, which lets me reroll fortitude once a day. So I want to like combine them into the existing jacket. Okay. I will say um, on the catalog, there is a button that says, turn your refurbished items into new. And those ab- those upgrades are available to add to pre-existing clothing. So you oh. put your jacket on the conveyor belt. It whirls around behind the hologram and you hear <laughs> kind of like noises. And then it comes back out and it hasn't really changed the vintage look like the leather is still kind of cracked and and well worn. Mm -hmm. But those those things have been added to to the jacket. Yeah, because I just didn't want to change it. But I like the the flavor. Uh, And lastly, I get some crimson bangles. Nice. Okay. just what do those do? You want to know? I mean, uh, you don't have to tell me if you want to, like, wait for a moment where you whip it out. Uh, they're pretty cool, so eh, whatever, I'll tell you. Uh, so once per day is a swift action, I can tap the bracelets together and it locks that current location into their kinetic memory. And if I'm within 30 feet of that location, I can swift action tap them and teleport back to that location. That's crazy. Right? Isn't that so fucking cool? Those are very cool. All right. Yeah. Um, is that all you're you're getting? That's me. All right, you... You, you swipe your, your data pad over and the creds are removed. And uh, whoever wants to go next on the catalog, please let me know. I'm going to keep it boring and Solarian. Uh, so I'm going to get a new Solarian crystal for my weapon. Uh, the W Boson crystal, the least version, which will add an extra D4 to my attacks and also add bleed damage to my crits. Okay. Uh, and then I'm just going to get a personal upgrade for strength. All right, cool. Uh, how would you like this personal upgrade? Like, what kind are you getting? Magic? Uh, tech? I think or? hybrid. Just hybrid? for, yeah, because I think Mer- Merrick is trying to live, like, between technology and magic a little bit. Cool. Um, what What do you think this looks like? Oh, my God. I've never had to visualize what a, per- what a personal upgrades look like. Um, well, what's it called? Because I know they're, like, I know one is, like, a synaptic It's enhancer. a symbiote. So it's, like, a synergizing symbiote. So it's, like, a... Maybe Merrick gets like a, it's like a, I always, obviously I'm thinking Spider-Man. So just like a little patch of his skin is like glowing purple or something. Okay, cool. Yeah. You get this little sort of like jar of slime that you, you pour onto your skin and it affects, and you can change, you know what? I will say, I'll let you change it into 
a shape or emblem that might mean something to you. So if you want to do, I don't know, if the Persistence has a has a logo or if your tribe has a logo, you can it's you can gonna shape be a it. moth. Yeah, it's, I'm gonna turn it into a moth. Okay, that's very fucking cool. Yeah, so you now yeah. have this this glowing, faintly glowing purple moth. Sick. Empowering you. Uh, anything else, or is that is that your shopping spree? That is that is my shopping spree. Okay, Duran, you are up. Okay, I'm in a few spots right now. There's a few things I'm thinking about going through. I will say Niall did come in clutch for me on those uh, on the days between podcasts. So thank you, Niall. Merci. You're welcome. The one thing I do want to get, uh, but I need I need Dan. I need your permission for it, though. Okay. <laughs> well, the reason I have to is because it's in an adventure path, and I know what happens when we just pull shit from adventure paths. Well, what does the item do? It is called Falcon Boots. Basically, I can create my own little bubble of gravity where I am, including walking up walls and stuff like that. Okay, what are the restrictions? None. <laughs> um, there's there's not much because I get my land speed going up walls and stuff. If I get, if I get knocked prone, I fall to where my gravity is going. Um, but it's like it's constrained to walls and stuff. I can't just like float wherever the fuck I want. Uh, you know what? Yeah, fine. I, I'm okay with this. Why not? Let's fuck around and find out. Cool, cool, cool. And then the next thing I'm gonna grab is an ability crystal. Um, I can't put it in one of the things I've already upped, right? That's the conditions on that, or can I? No, no, you can. You can't use the. You can't buy the same crystals. But if you've already enhanced them through like level ups, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna up that dex a little bit more. Yeah, because okay. you can only have one level two, one level four, and one level six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's and, and what is what you're getting a crystal? You said? Uh, no, it's a personal upgrade. Sorry, uh, it says ability crystal is what it's called. Okay, yeah. So uh, is that the technology one or the magic one? This magic one, right? Um, uh, it's the same cost either way. Yeah, I know. So I'm just trying one. to get a, a vibe of what it looks like. Hmm, I think I would go for the technology, te- uh, the technology one, if I'm honest. Okay, so that's the that's the synapse one, right? Synapse yeah, yeah, the synapse. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. what I'll lean towards. So this is uh, this is very similar to what Cody has. I will let mm-hmm. you choose what kind of if you want a headband or sort of like a, a wrist wrap or gloves or something that the the prongs of the adrenaline that that make you better. Has the, you need to have a contact for these prongs to sort of like affect. Yeah, I'm thinking like a shoulder strap, so it's like right into my like upper pec. Okay, cool. Yeah, so you now have this almost like bandolier style mm-hmm. uh, uh, leather strap across your chest underneath your your poncho that is Hell yeah. sort of like every now and then pumping a little extra adrenaline to make your reflexes a little faster. Nice, nice. All right, is that your shopping done? Uh, uh, it is, it is. Um, I want something else, but I don't have enough money for it, so. Okay. I'm sad. How much do you need? Because I fuck all money, but. <laughs> I've got cash. Let me do my math to make sure. Oh, only if I you have. want to. It, it's it, like, understand, like, it's probably yeah. not the best idea if we do it, but, you know. I got like 200 credits. Yeah, don't worry about it. It's fine. It's fine. Oh, sure. I'm doing math. I'm I like 900 credits short, so it's it's okay. I might have it. One sec. No, no, don't don't do that. Don't do that. It's okay. I need to do this math anyway, Terry. Let me do it. Okay. <laughs> well, what are you trying to buy? <laughs> it's called a tailblade, but it's more so just like I want an operative like melee weapon. So that's why I'm like, it's not important, guys. It's okay. How much do you need? Jane, did I receive my baton back from? Oh yeah, God. you have it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Terry, I give you my Tempest Gale baton. Oh yeah. Oh. Operative weapon. Is it? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks, Cody. Fuck. The Merrick's going to keep his cash to splurge on himself. Hell yeah, man. Cool. Then you get a text from uh, Jenny that just says, you guys need to get here. This place is sick. Let's go. 
If she's saying it's sick, it's probably really nice. Yeah, true. She she bougie. She's a lot bougier than we are, or me anyway. Imagine the milkshakes we can have. So you guys uh, leave the shop. You get to uh, the Grand Royale, and it is this huge hotel with uh, a golden facade and these big revolving doors. There are valets and bellhops. And the second you approach, a a gentleman tips his hat and uh, guides you through the revolving doors and leads you to the concierge who greets you with a warm smile. Hello, you must be the guests of Miss Aurelius. That's us. Fantastic. Here are your room cards. Uh, Your friends are already enjoying a complimentary beverage at the bar. And you look over and Short Jack and Jenny are at the bar. Jenny seems to have like sort of a, a neat whiskey. And Short Jack has this big tulip glass with like an umbrella. And he's like slurping something with a straw. Thank you very much, friend. Enjoy your stay. I head to the bar. Cool. Um, you guys get there. And we're going to do a little party management stuff. Because we haven't done this in a while. Um, I will remind you of Short Jack's abilities. Because uh, you haven't really had an opportunity to use them. But you have unlocked the next level of his abilities during your time together. The way I'm doing party uh, management and crew member stuff is they all have a trait, a flaw, and a passive ability. Um, And as you increase your standing with the party and uh, the crew members aboard the ship, they get bonuses. And the flaws become less severe and the the traits become better. So Short Jack's trait is, is he's a gearhead. So it allows you, when you're on board the Persistence, to re-roll any engineering check. The flaw, however, is that he is inexperienced. And there is a 25% chance that the re-roll check will be treated as a natural one. His passive ability, which you guys have Mm -hmm. just unlocked, is Tinkerer. And that allows him to reallocate weapon fusions for free between weapons. And he will also craft tech items uh, when he has downtime. And Jenny... You are getting her list of things as well. Her trait is inspiring. Every day you get to roll a D4 and receive an ability from Jenny's presence and sort of like just having her aboard. You get to re-roll what ability you get every day. And if it's not used by the end of the day, uh, it's gone and replaced by the one you roll that day. Mm-hmm. Um, the flaw, however, is she's stubborn and you don't get to choose which ability you take. Um, The abilities of the D4, which I'm going to get you guys to roll now, so please note down. You don't have to necessarily remember what one you get. Just remember your your number, and I'll tell you what it is. You roll a D4, and if you get a 1, you get Rocker Inspiration, which is you gain a plus 5 on any roll before you roll, or a plus 2 after you roll. Nice. You get a 2. It's called Thick Skin. You heal 3D6 plus your level for stamina points. And is that like whenever we choose to... Whenever you want to use it. These are all uh, standard actions if they like give you a thing or uh, reactions for rerolls and stuff. Very cool. Number yeah. three is practice makes perfect. You treat the next skill check roll as if you've rolled a 10. Okay. That's a, that's a really good one. I like that one. Yeah. And the last one, number four, is Encore. It allows you to re-roll one skill check, attack roll, or saving throw at a minus two. You must take the second roll, even if it's worse. So I'm going to have you guys roll your D4 right now and see what Jenny gives you. I got a one. Okay, you get rocker inspiration. I love that. I got a four. Okay, you get encore. I'm upset because I rolled it earlier, and now that I know what it is. Oh, hey, three. Hey, same same number. We're good. You get the essentially the ability to take a 10. Which is <laughs> super useful. And then her passive ability 
is whenever you are on board the Persistence and Jenny is around, you get plus two on all culture checks uh, because she is well-traveled. And she's also used to touring with big personalities and in cramped quarters. So every time you make a cramped quarters check with Jenny, you get a cumulative plus one to the roll <laughs> up to a maximum of plus three. Okay. Could that be because of what we rolled earlier? Because we've never rolled well. But not with <laughs> no. Jenny. It's been pretty bad. So right now, Duran, you have a plus one on any cramp quarters checks because you rolled one with her last time. And is that plus oh, one that's on nice. any or just plus one to talk to Jenny a second time? Just with Jenny. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. So when I roll two ones, that three will be great. Uh, so yes, I'm keeping track of, of the, the scores. So right now, Duran, you're the only one who's interacted with Jenny in a cramp quarter. So... You get a plus one. I don't necessarily, unless you guys really want to do something, I'm happy with just saying that you guys spend the night unwinding, relaxing, hanging out with the the, the crew, and having a good time. Yeah, I feel like Cody wants to try different types of drinks, so he'll have one of everyone's favorite and fight the urge to just get boozy milkshakes. Merrick's just going to sit in the jacuzzi and knock it up, like make it boiling hot, and just sit there <laughs> all night. Okay. And Duran, how are you enjoying your, your time in the, the hotel? Oh, I feel like I fucked shit up. So, you know, just anxiously trying to relax, maybe hitting the mini bar, you know? Okay, cool. Yeah, you you guys uh, all get a great night's rest. There's a, a significant weight lifted off now that you don't have the Ministry of Defense hunting you down. And you enjoy a, a little bit of lavish luxury for the first time in a very long time. And in the morning when you wake, and I'm going to use the, the D4 rolls that you rolled then for today. Okay. You guys get a message when you wake up asking you to meet Astrid at the overseer or the uh, tavern guild hall. Uh, sure, Jack. Do you have the thing I asked about with you or is it still on the ship? Uh, it's, it's actually still on the ship because I, you know, I wasn't really super cool with carrying it around. That's fire. Let me sw- let's swing by the ship. I'll pick it up and then we'll go meet Astrid. Actually, that's a that's a pretty good idea because I've actually got a little something for you guys uh, to maybe help you out. Oh, all right. Hell yeah. Uh, fantastic. Uh, thank you, hotel staff. We really appreciate it. It was our pleasure. You guys are incredible. Thank you. If you would like to leave a space Yelp review, that would really help us out. I, I don't have Spelp, but I think the boys do. <laughs> Spelp. <laughs> I'm actually like a like a... I was was it like tour guide or whatever the tag they give you <laughs> I for can being see that so hard? Yeah, I've traveled a lot. I've eaten a lot of places. One of those really annoying normal people who try to write like a fucking food critic. Mm-hmm. That's like, Merrick. Constantly using adjectives that don't need to be there. Oh my god! I leave comments about the like the sheets on the bed, like the thread count, even though I don't Ooh. know what that even means. <laughs> I think I probably left one review once because I thought it was going to be like a good idea to start reviewing places for memories. Did it once and never did it again. Nice. And yeah. that place got two stars. <laughs> cool. Yeah, you swing by the hangar and uh, pop into the persistence. Short Jack scurries off ahead of you to grab the liquid from his secret hiding spot and also brings in a uh, like a little little crate as well and he also has a little package under his arm uh and he says so um here's here's the vial first and foremost the most important thing this is something that i've made for you guys and he hands over like a, a, a sack from within the crate and inside of it are two screamer grenades mark ii Ooh. And two sticky bomb grenades, Mark II. 
Oh, fuck yeah. I want a screamer grenade. I kind of want a sticky grenade. I'll take a screamer grenade, too. You can have both stickies. I re- can I have both, both stickies? Is that cool? Oh, yeah. Are they screamer grenade mark two, you said? Yep. Hell yeah. I don't even know what that does. 2d10 cool. sonic damage, and uh, they can also be deafened on a failed fort save. Damn. And the sticky Hell bomb yeah. is, uh, they get entangled if you hit the score certain. Hell yeah. For a certain amount of rounds, and then they have to do uh, a save to try to get out. I like that. And finally, Short Jack says, also, this uh, this was waiting for us when we got released, and uh, I think it's for you guys. And it is a, a, a wooden box, uh, almost as big as Short Jack, with a, it, it's a really, really nice, like, lacquered wood chest. With How ominous a, does it feel? Uh, not, not, not super ominous, but you recognize the insignia on it, and it is a embellished V from the Gallery Voltaire. It's our boy. God, all right. I pop it open. <laughs> what fancy shit's going to be in here? There's a little note that says, uh, think you left this behind. I don't want it. It's yours. <laughs> and it's all the stuff that you left at Gallery Voltaire. So during oh, your fuck. rifle, your grappling gun, Cody, like anything yeah. that you you had that was taken from you uh, nice. has been returned. Nice. That's, that's really nice, yeah. And then at the bottom of the note, it says, also, this box is great for hiding things and their little winky face. Hell yeah. Uh, search. <laughs> search the box. I assume it's not something. Well, maybe no. it is. 100%. There has to, it has to be a false bottom. Give me a perception check. Some techie shit, you know? Dirty 20. Um, there is, in fact, a false bottom. It's empty. There's nothing in it. But yes, there is a false bottom. And if someone has mysticism, they can do the check as well. I do not. I point uh, out the I false do. bottom to anyone who has mysticism. Uh, that's going to be a 15. Uh, that is it on the money. This is Oof. an anti-scrying box. Ooh. It blocks uh, detect magic and anything that someone might be using to locate objects. Uh, I got a feeling that's going to be a great vile hiding spot. Yes. Yeah, that sounds like a plan to me. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I didn't, even, I didn't even think about the fact that someone could be scrying on the vial itself. Mm-hmm. Correct. I wish we had a personal size one of those. Yeah, I was going to say this is not something that you can carry around. It is. It's big enough to hold Durin's rifle. Do we? I, I want to get like a secondary container for the vial, just on the off chance it breaks, and I don't want to t- like touch skin. Yeah, for sure. I, I'll say that there's definitely like you've got small little like metal tubes that you can put it in okay. to secure it. Cool. All right. Let's uh, let's go. Let's go yeah. see what Ashford has to say. Let's let's get to the bottom of this. We're done being hunted. Let's be the hunters. Love it. I love that energy. Any, do I have any messages from Thimble at all? The, no. Oh, damn it. Hello, Space GM. Dane here to do the things. First and foremost, we hope you're enjoying the episode. I know I say this every time, but this one's going to be a quick one. It's a lightning fast one. I'm going to say a couple very quick things, and then we'll get right back into the show. First thing is to request a simple task. If you are enjoying the show, please consider writing a review for us. If you use Apple Podcasts, uh, it would be a great, great help if you could leave a review on that platform. Otherwise, a five-star review or written review, any other place that you do listen to the podcast, if it gives you the option, would really, really help the show. Second, we want you to hang out with us. We have a Discord, which is a great place 
to hang out, talk to other people who listen to the show, talk with us, suggest character names, join in on the fan art projects. If it has to do with No Quest for the Wicked, the Discord's got it. So if you enjoy the show and you want to join the community, and we highly recommend that you do because it is so incredible, head on over to NoQuestCast.com, click the Discord link, you'll be joined in a second. You can do all the things that the community already loves to do. Like I said, it's short and sweet this week, friends. Thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoy the rest of the episode. You guys make your way to the Guild Hall, which is sort of in the same hexagon as the the Grand Chambers. And when you get there, you see that there is these large white and golden black gates that are open and they lead into a small park that has a large sort of 10 foot tall bronze statue of a man with a bag over one shoulder pointing to the sky. And he's sort of like looking into the distance with his chin raised high, pointing up in front of him. Who's that? Uh, well, the, the plaque clearly reads, Jonathan Aurelius, founder of the tavern. Oh, that's why Astrid's so invested. You hear a voice as you guys are looking at the statue, and you hear Astrid say, It is a wonderful statue. Doesn't look a goddamn thing like him. Uh, father? Grandfather? Father, yes. Huh. I'll remind you that she looks like she's in her, like, early 30s. So the math does not really add up here. Uh, so he fucks. Fair enough. It's a sci-fi world. I wouldn't question it too much. She stands there for a second with, like, kind of hands on hips. And she this is the, kind of the first time you've seen her relaxed. Uh, when you first saw her on the screen on the ship, she was very disheveled and, and looked like she was working late nights. She was sort of very tense. When she met you in the interrogation room and on the trial, now she is in a much more casual. She's wearing a about a knee length dress and uh, heels, these matte black heels. And she's wearing a white dress with the golden black trim with the tavern insignia on the, the upper left shoulder. And she's she just looks she looks relaxed. She looks fresh. And she says, you know, this is usually where people say I, I look pretty good for an 80 year old. Excuse you me. Do thank you, Cody. Are you you're you're a human. I Cody kind of shrugs and he's like, I didn't think much of it. My father was seven. Huh. <laughs> I think okay. my mother is very old. I can't even remember. Well, well, I was well, also kind of his father. So yeah. Wow. This this keeps going, huh? I mean, you kind of admired this. I. Uh, you're right. I did. Yes, I spent a lot of my time, about sixty years of my life, in various forms of stasis as I don't know how much you know of my father but he went missing when I was about 16 and I spent a, a good portion of my life looking for him did you ever find him I didn't but I found the next best thing I found peace knowing that he did incredible things and he changed this entire system and that's that's good enough for me I will always wonder where he went, but it doesn't diminish what he taught me or what he did for Casimal. If he's anything like you, I'm sure he's great. He was. Um, and you guys reach a very, very long stretch of road. 
It's about almost a mile, I would say. And all down it on either side are, it looks like protesters. There are booths set up. There are people handing out pamphlets. And Astrid looks and says, how much, have you been here before? Have you visited the guild hall before? No. Uh, no. What about you, Duren? First time. If we're going to talk about Jonathan Aurelius, I, I want you to know the kind of man my father was. He created this stretch of path to the guild hall. And she points all the way down at the end, and you see the the big round building that is the, the Tavern Oversight Guild Hall. And he invited anyone with a problem, a social cause, an issue, anything that they needed to air out. And they are allowed to come here to protest, to petition, to complain, to plead, to beg. And every day, those of us who work at the Tavern Oversight Guild have to walk through this and see why we do what we do. He called it a walk of obligation. And it is a reminder that the whole reason we have taverns is to help, to listen to those who need help and to do our best to change it. And you see, as you walk, there are people, some of the causes, not great. (laughs) You know, some of them are like, you know, give small businesses tax breaks so that we could become big corporations. But then you see other things that are advocating for better education on certain subjects and saving the arts. But then you get to, towards the end, there are a small group of like three or four families. And they are these pale bluish creatures with uh, big spiral horns coming out of their heads. Uh, Give me some culture checks. I do not have that. Nope. (laughs) Uh, That's going to be, I think, a nine. Uh, 15 for Merrick. It's a 10. Okay, cool. Uh, 10 is actually what you need. These yes. are Sinonin. Oh, they, they are people from the Empire. And they are standing there with a sign that says, not all Sinonins. And as Astrid walks by, she makes eye contact with one of the kids who are kind of like roughhousing, playing around. They're kicking a ball around. And she stops and she says, hi. And she reaches out a hand and they shake it. And they say, overseer, it is very generous of you to stop. We fear that with the rising tensions of the Empire and the Federation that those of us who have fled the Empire, who do not wish anything to do with the Empire, will be unjustly prosecuted for any perceived hostilities that may transpire over the next coming days. And Astrid nods and she says, that is absolutely a valid concern. And it is one that I will take into consideration and something that I will bring up at the next council meeting. And he hands her a flyer and uh, they they go their separate ways unless you guys want to say or do anything. No, and she just like rolls it up into a ball and puts it into a trash can on the way out. <laughs> I will, if the kids are like playing with a ball or something, I will like kick it back to them. Yeah, they're they're hesitant at first, but then when they notice that you are just playing with them, they they happily, they giggle and, and sort of like kick the ball between your legs and, and, and quickly dart around. Mm-hmm. And finally, you get to the guild hall at the end of this mile long walk. And Astrid stops and chats with a few other people, but doesn't stay too long because she does know she is escorting you guys, but takes a fair number of pamphlets or pamphlets. By the end of the, the road, she's got about like 10 or 12 of them. And you get to the very plain entrance to the guild hall. There is a bunch of benches and picnic tables, and you see a ton of various tavern crews either eating and drinking or laughing with one another, or they're going over paperwork with the, uh, like a guild official. And the 
the entrance is, is, is very plain. It's a single sliding glass door flanked by two planters that have a, a pretty arrangement of wildflowers, and that's it. And she leads you in into a big circular room that has these spiral staircases up on the uh, left and right side, and there are a set of elevators towards the back. And in the center, there is a large wall that stretches up the, the, the full three stories that this building is, and it is covered in screens and physical pictures. And in the center, there's a like a plaque that says, those that have returned to their place amongst the stars. And it is a memorial for those who have served in the tavern uh, program and have died. Are there any names we recognize? There are a few. First and foremost, you do see the crew of the Moon Dancer and the Nightcrawler, including Greg and Freg. But in the center of it all, there are two rows of pictures. One, there is a row of former overseers. And Merrick, you recognize the most recent one. It is the bearded man that was killed by Azin on Usuron the first night you met him. The guy who was in the in the, in, in the house with his Ooh, that's wife. awkward. Yep. Oh. What was he doing in the middle of fucking nowhere? I guess he's retired at that point, right? But he was he seems he seems to be the most recent overseer. Oh, oh what's fuck. what's his name? Wait, Wait when like, did he when did he die? They, yeah, their dates <laughs> a year ago. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> that doesn't line up, does it? Wait, wait, he died a year ago. Yep. During okay. during Eric's tempering. Oh yes, yeah, so it has only been a year. It's been a long year, but. Do we know when he left the overseer? He was he was the overseer when he was killed. What's his name? His name is Sebastian Grant. Fuck. 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 Are you saying this out loud? <laughs> yes. Merrick is literally standing in the middle of this room going, fuck. Astrid turns around and says, are fuck. you okay? Cody puts his hand on the shoulder. like, it's like, it is very sad. Um, <laughs> Astrid, uh, we need to have a private meeting. Uh, okay. Sure, I mean, that's what we're about to do, but we'll we'll do that once we're in our my office, if that's okay. Okay, is there anyone else up there we recognize, Dane, before I lose my shit? Not you guys. name up there? Yes, Victor Benson is, is up there. You see him in sort of like one of the rotations. So the screens are kind of like all flashing various mm-hmm. photos, and they seem to be changing. And like, you see photos that are very old, and then very recent. So it seems to be like a constantly changing and updating memorial to honor sort of everyone from the time it was created to to now. Mm-hmm. But in the center, below the row of overseers, is a picture of a group of people. And you recognize one of the men as Jalen Mazo. And the plaque oh. on that picture reads, the Earth Heiress Assembly Crew. Cody like stabs a finger at the guy and he's like, that's that's him. That's that's the one that I couldn't see. Oh, that's this. That's his evil dad. And yes, you you recognize him from the the statue that you saw uh, during when you guys were in the Contra yeah. building. Yeah, that's that's the fucker. And he's he's much younger. But again, this is this is eighty years ago, or like longer. This is like ninety years ago. Is he still alive? She squints and she says, "Mazo, yeah, he kind of does the sort of same thing." I. Did, but in a much shittier way. So a lot of rich people, especially people who, who run big corporations, in order to hold on to their wealth longer, they go into what's called uh, intermittent hibernation, where they will go into stasis for periods of two to three years and leave a facsimile 
in their place to to run the business in their stead in order to artificially prolong their life. On top of that, with with the amount of money he has, he's I'm going to guess most of his organs are not original if they are even human. They're probably mostly technological artificial hearts and mechanical implants to regulate all the all the bodily functions but yeah no mezo is is definitely still alive is his son who jayla mezo's son alpha uh, as far as i know mezo never had a kid he what did the fuck I, I i sorry cody i'm you know again they're they were private people the mezos were never one for scandals or anything like that so he might have had a kid and just kept him out of the limelight in which case you know kind of the only thing i've ever said good for him for but yeah as far as i know he didn't have a kid where does he live uh he actually used to have an estate here on Therum. Does he still? No. No. Uh Mazel's kind of gone AWOL in the in in the past little bit. Presumably he's in another one of his hibernation phases. But no one's heard from him in, in quite a while. It's it's all run uh by by a woman right now, all of Contra. Um going through all those processes, like, you know, replacing the organs and such, does that do something to the mind at all? Mm, no. It's it's pretty common amongst the, the, the wealthy elite. And as long as you're not playing with brain chemistry or, you know, actually trying to replace or swap out brains, now everyone is, is usually pretty okay. Okay. Oh, and, and to answer your question, Cody, it, it's a woman by the name of Susan Roke. Susan Roke. I remember that name. But oddly enough, there's another interesting thing about this photo. And it is sort of as if there were people supposed to be there. There are these like blurred, shimmering swaths of light where it looks like someone should be standing. What are those? She smiles and puts her finger on one of the, the the swaths of light. And she says, those are the reason I got to live. It's the reason humans made it here. They are, doesn't look like much, but those are the Valai that helped us. Have you met one? No, the Valai have been gone for a very long time. They they didn't even stay to see us off. They came and they, they gave us the technology and the magic and the information and and everything, the coordinates for Casamal, how to build the Aeris shuttles. They stayed until the day we launched. They disappeared. And as far as I know, we haven't heard from them ever again. Is that what they look like, though? Shimmery boys? No. Any attempt that we made to capture a a likeness of the Valai, especially on, on camera or, or footage or anything, this is how they showed up. Weird. I actually got a chill when you said that. And even stranger still is no one agrees on what they look like. It's it's pretty common record for any of the humans that worked on the Eris program and met any of the Valai. They all saw something different when they looked at them. That's uh, scary. I, I know it sounds that way, but it was one of the Valai described it as a mechanism to make them feel comforted. It, it reached inside of someone and found the least threatening form or something that they would be able to comprehend and not be scared of. I'm scared of my mind being manipulated, so I don't like that. But hey, they, they did a good thing. So who cares what they look like? Hey, you know what? At the end of the day, yeah. I, I don't care if they are big, creepy bug monsters. I don't care if they are beautiful angels from above. I, I don't care. They gave us a second chance. And, and for that, we will be eternally grateful. But Merrick seems to be having. Let's let's go to the office. I assume he's just been saying "fuck" this whole time. Fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> just in the background. And this time, as you guys are walking towards the elevator, there are uh, sort of like formal portraits done 
of the former overseer, with the first one being Jonathan Aurelius. And she was right. The statue looked nothing like him. He was a very plain looking man. Uh, no real distinguishing features, but a warm smile. The next person after that was an older man with uh, gray hair and a braided beard um, named Dmitry Antonov. And after that was Sebastian Grant, who you guys are familiar with, or at least Merrick's familiar with. And then the the most recent picture is one of Astrid. He looked good. Not bad for an 80-year-old, right? Not bad impressive. And she gets you in the elevator. You guys go up to the third floor, and she sort of walks almost directly across from the elevator. It's her office that is facing out, staring across the Walk of Obligation and into the downtown core of Athenas. Or sorry, inside the, the spacious third floor office is a mess of papers, pamphlets, and petitions, which she adds the ones she's currently holding into the, like, to-do pile. And then you see an even larger stack of, like, red pamphlets. The western wall is dedicated to a whiteboard that spans the entire length of the wall with a to-do list that is almost as long as the whiteboard. And it seems to be all correlated to the pamphlets on her desk. On the opposite wall are bookshelves that are overstacked and a large screen is set into the wall between them. The northern wall faces out over the Walk of Obligation and offers a modest but impressive view of the Athena's downtown. The wall you came in is covered in pictures of Earth and pop culture memorabilia and vintage maps of other star systems, cities, and including uh, a map of Earth. And she sits down and she says, okay, Merrick, if you're comfortable discussing it in front of your friends, I... Okay, so we have we told you about we told you about Azen before, right? Yes, you mentioned him briefly at the interrogation, I believe. He's he was there yesterday when everything uh, went crazy. Okay, and he was there the day the attack happened on the cube as well, right? Punch the tank. Correct. Yes. Punch the tank. Yeah, it was really it was really cool. What happened to Sebastian Grant? Uh, He was on vacation with his wife at a. A country home out in Usuran, and he was he was murdered. I know who did it, Merrick. That's a pretty big accusation. I was there. She freezes, and you can see a, a almost immediate shift in her demeanor. And she says, "Merrick, what are you saying?" I'm saying I was there the night Sebastian Grant and his wife were murdered in cold blood. I watched it happen. Who killed them, Merrick? Azin killed Sebastian Grant. She sits and processes it for a second, her head slowly nodding, and she says, Well, I guess I now have a bigger dog in this fight. Sebastian Grant was a very good friend of mine, one that I respected greatly, one that I cared for greatly. I need to know right now, Merrick, what your role was. If you let him die, if you knew this was going to happen, this is going to change our relationship drastically. I I did not know it was going to happen. I was a kid. A lot has changed since then. Azen took us into a random cabin. I thought it was his place. We hung out there for a bit, and then they came home, and before I could even react, they were dead. Okay. It was the first uh, night I met Azen. So what we need to be worried about, Astrid, is why did Azen do that? I thought it was a random attack just to sort of prove a point to a young kid. But I think it's more than that now. It was either Sebastian Grant was working on something that he wanted to stop, or the thing I'm most afraid of is that Azen knew the time for his plan was coming, and that if something happened to Grant, you would be the most obvious 
candidate to take over and he wanted you in power. Astrid looks distraught when you say that. And she walks to the window to look out over the Walk of Obligation. And she's silent for a very long time. And then she turns around. She says, there's nothing we can do about this right now. If Azen is on planet, the Ministry of Defense will find him. And that is something we can deal with when it comes. Right now, if he is using this silver liquid, we need to figure out what it is, how to counteract it, how to stop it, how to neutralize it. That is priority one. We can get justice for Sebastian later. But Merrick, it's not an easy thing to do what you just did. And I appreciate it. And it it makes me more sure that I'm making the right call trusting you guys. And thank you for trusting me with this information. We will stop him. I promise. Because now it's personal for me, too. Uh, She sits back down at her desk and she says, I have arranged for a transport to take you to the Ark facility. They've put it on lockdown. You will be the only ones arriving that day. No one in and out other than you. We have a Ministry of Defense shuttle taking you in to make sure that you are protected on the way there. And Charlotte Ross is has agreed to take a look at this for us. It is a huge deal. She is the best at what she does. And if anyone's going to be able to figure it out, it will be her. And then there's a knock at the door. And Astrid leans back and she says, come in. And in walks Arwen Decker. Every time you've seen him, he's, he's been in this like huge collar, very well-dressed, manicured. His hair has been almost like plastic with the amount of product he's in. Uh, you see him now and he is wearing a very plain suit with no high collar. His hair is is well-kept, but not nearly to the extent that it usually is. And he walks in quietly with his hands behind his back and he says, if I could have this moment to say something to, well, well all of you, if possible. Cody's just kind of like looking at the boys. What's yeah, that? you can talk, dude. Yeah. Very well. I, I have come to offer my sincerest apologies for my previous fervor in assuming your guilt. Not to make excuses, but while I'm sure you have thought of the cube as a second home, it, it was my home. And out of love for my home, I found a desperate desire to seek justice to those that did such damage to it and to an extent that I was blinded by circumstance. And in this case, the truth. And for that, I offer my deepest apologies. Mr. Arwen, sir? It's Decker, but yes. Mr. Decker? Um, we saw what happened to the cube, and it was fucked. So I, I understand your fervor. And, you know, whoever did this to us, they did a pretty good job. So I forgive you. Hey, if I was in your shoes, I'd be doing the same thing. Thank you. That helps my conscience. But that is not the only reason... I am here today. And Arwen begins sort of pacing around and kind of nervously playing with some of the trinkets on the bookshelf. And he picks up a snow globe and and gives it a shake and then puts it down and, and faces you again and says, I have solemn news of your fellow crewmates, the ones that were arrested. What do you mean? What happened? He, he takes out a data pad and flicks something onto the screen and and projects it onto the one between the bookcase. And on it, you see a waveform appear with captions and he plays it. And on it, you hear a recording. Uh, Command, scanners are picking up multiple unknown ships. Please advise 
ships have activated weapons and targeting systems command. Uh, unknown ships are now hostile. Battle stations, everyone. I want a full sit rep and who these assholes are. And then you hear an explosion. At command, we are taking heavy enemy fire and we are massively outnumbered. We are initiating defensive and evasive maneuvers. Scanners indicate that these are these are Sononan ships. Command, we are Empire attacking. We're taking damage. Prisoner containment is rapidly losing. Have escaped their cells. And then an explosion and static. Arwen turns around and says, The transport shuttle that was bringing your friends to Trivellis was attacked and destroyed, killing everybody on board. Bringing them to or bringing them from? To. This happened a few weeks ago. And no one told us this whole time? You didn't tell us? He shifts uneasily, and he says... I asked about them. I asked about them in the courtroom, and you were there, and we were there, and you didn't say shit. Yes, and that I is... I look at Astrid. Did you know? You can, like, you can read on her face that she did not. She looks fucking pissed. Uh, to the point where, like, you see her knuckles are, like, white with how hard she is gripping her table. Uh, probably compounded by the news of what Merrick just told her, and now this. She looks furious. And Arwen says... It was withheld from public record because we felt if you were in fact guilty of the crimes you were committed or, or, or accused of, that knowing we felt it was important leverage to think that you had friends who could be helped. So during the trial, when they revoked their sentences, they knew this? Yeah, that was all a lie? That was all just an act, too? Only Chancellor Emmerich Handros, the Minister of Defense, knew we kept this close to our chest. Uh, It didn't seem wise to aggravate the situation further. If you knew that you could Hey, if you have nothing better to say right now, get out of the fucking room. Hold on. So you're telling me that you thought that the three of us could be terrorists sent by the Sononan Empire? That was our theory. That was what you were thinking? Yes. So you thought that we would have our crew members killed by the Sononan Empire. The same crew members who were being arrested as terrorists of the Sononan Empire. Could have been a means to tie up loose ends. It is a common tactic. (sighs) I think it's time for me to reiterate Durin's point. Get the fuck out of here. One thing, the ships. Do you know the make, model, number, designations? Doesn't matter, Cody. They might not even be from the actual Sononan Empire. Anything bad happens in this fucking system and they're going to blame the fucking Sononans. We could find them. No, we're not going to be able to. Decker, once again, like, lowers his head like a fucking scolded dog and says, this is information that I do not have the clearance to give, but I can I can petition Chancellor Handros to, to contact you with this information, if you would like. Is the information yes. on that pad in your hands right now? <laughs> Cody starts walking up to him. It is not. I promise you, you you can take a look if you'd like. I take it and toss it to Durin. You're you're welcome to go through it if you'd like. No, um, I just hand it back to him. Please, Durin. No. Cody, we're playing by their rules, buddy. This isn't a movie. Like, the bad guy's not going to be obvious. We're dealing with syndicates. We're dealing with societies. Information, whether it's fake or not, is still helpful. Because if it's fake, we can figure it out. No information gets us nowhere. Uh, Handing him the data pad, I'll say... When you can give us that information, please do. 
Again, I... This is not something... This is not news that I, I want to give you. But I felt it was my responsibility before you hear it on some news hollow or, or, or something like that. I am deeply sorry. Do you want to make it up to us? If, if, if it's within my abilities, yes, I would love to. The meeting at Victor Benson Hat when the bomb went off. Is there a recording of what was being said in that meeting? I will look into it. Good. Thank you for breaking your rules to tell us this. Understand we're grieving, frustrated, and furious, but I appreciate what you did today. I cannot express my sorrow. I'm sorry. And I will I will do everything I can to get this information to you. And he sort of slides the the data pad into his pocket and kind of sh- does that nervous nod to you when, when someone doesn't know what else to say and leaves the room. I uh, might need some time, guys. Why would the Sinonians attack a prison ship? Astrid, you look over and she has her, her, her sort of head in her hands and she's massaging her temples and she once again looks up and, and you can tell there is tears are beginning to well in her eyes but it's 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 out of anger like you can almost see how red hot she is she takes a deep breath and she exhales and she says once again this doesn't change the matter at hand every bad news that we are getting seems to have this fucking liquid at the center of it and the sooner we figure this out the sooner I can put my foot up Decker's ass and figure out who Azin is and put my foot up his, and I will just keep putting my foot up people's asses until everyone who's fucking around is done with. So I have a question. When a prisoner dies under someone else's care, when does that trial happen? She sighs and she says, bureaucracy is bullshit, Duren. This will be dragged out for media attention. I'm sure people will drum up the fact that it was a Sononan attack. Nothing's going to come of this. And I know that that's going to piss you off and it pisses me off too, but this is, it, it's all going to be pomp and, and, you know, we'll, we'll keep going on about it. We'll talk about what a tragedy it is and what, how, how unfair it was and how the Sinonans are master manipulators. I'm just tired of the lies. They're not going to stop. I'm tired of losing family. That's not going to stop either. I'm going to make it plain for you, gentlemen. I would like to hire you on as official retainers of the Tavern Oversight Guild and put you in direct command of this investigation. I can't think of anyone better to undertake this task, and I don't believe there's anyone who is more invested in in finding out what the fuck is happening than the four of us. We're going to do it anyway. May as well be official about it. I'm going to need a day. And I think Dern's just going to leave, honestly. As you're leaving, Astrid says, Dern, we don't have a day. You have to leave today for the arc. It is the opportunity we're getting. And I put a lot of strings to get it. I understand you're upset. Look, I just got really bad news too. Hey, okay. We'll have time to grieve when this is over. I'm sorry. Right. I'm, so, I'm sorry to rush this, but windows of opportunity are, are closing every fucking second. Okay, let's go. Let's get to the fucking arc. Astrid, as a bit of a warning... As just some verbiage, uh, as and threw around when he came to us on Goa, uh, the liquid is important to him, but he also uh, once told us that he's not worried about us having it because he can get it back whenever he wants. So I don't know what that means, if, whether it's a false threat or if it's connected to him. But I wanted to let you know, just in case. Thank you. I will. I will be careful, and you guys, please take care of yourselves as well. I know you're taking a huge risk, 
I'm just worried that he's pulled all the strings to get us to the Ark somehow. Is there anything you could think of that's there that would yeah. be devastating in the wrong hands? <laughs> yeah, I can't help. We're just falling into Azen's plan. Because I'm sick of being played. She shrugs and just says, it would be a devastating loss to lose, you know, the the, the data that's there, but it's it's all backed up. Like it, if, if something happens there, it's it's not gone forever. I know we have to, but if, I just feel like taking that vial there is just such a bad idea. We have to do it. I know, I know. I'm just worried that you said there's rare animals there. There's probably dangerous ones. He can control things with this liquid. <sighs> I don't know. Uh, as in like, once a space Tyrannosaurus. Yeah, that's all I can think of. Understand, we're on board for going there, taking the liquid, getting it examined, but we're just kind of airing our nervousness about it. Look, I'm going to be paranoid about Asin whatever we do, so we can't not do things. We're not going to let his fear control us. All right, let's go. Yeah. Um, before we leave, I just want to reiterate the fact, Astrid. It's stressful, but think why Asin wanted you, and then Merrick leaves the room. Or why he wanted that other guy gone. I will look into any sort of active contracts or contacts he had going. I do have a cool way. I do have a quick question though. Like, were you going to be obviously next in line upon his death? It was, it's not exactly, it's not like a hierarchy or, or, you know, it, it, it there was a vote. Okay. I'm just, I'm only asking cause I'm trying to see how far Asin's plan or reach may have actually been. I would like to assume that it wasn't for me, but because of Grant. He might have been working on something. He was he was the overseer. He saw all the contracts. Maybe he saw something that he wasn't supposed to. So that is the angle I'm going to go on because trying to figure out why someone would want me here is I feel like would would cause me to spin my wheels a little more than if I had if I was looking at someone else. But it's it's worth thinking about. Thank you. So uh, please let Doctor Ross know that uh, I, I appreciate what she's doing for us. You'll be sort of working with her exclusively. If anyone else asks for any other information, you just say, sorry, you're on confidential official work and only deal with Dr. Charlotte Ross. Do we get badges or like cool, cool coats, maybe a hat? Um, she reaches in and pulls out uh, three tavern pins and gives them to you and says, these will recognize you guys as official contractors of the guild. And not just the uh, run-of-the-mill tavern. All right. Thank you, Astrid. We'll be in touch. Yeah, where do we need to be? You guys get directions to a uh, Ministry of Defense uh, launching pad for submarines. And when you get there, there is a big moon pool at the hangar you have been told to to go to. And a dwarf is sitting on a, a chair and he is sort of just carving a, like whittling a piece of wood. And whistling. Um, before we head off, is it possible to slightly retroactively uh, transfer a fusion to the weapon I gave uh, Terry? Sure. Can we say we did it like that night? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because yeah, I had cool. one on one of my gloves, and if it's going to go to waste, I may as well put it on a weapon we're going to use. So thank you. You have opportunistic, Terry. Thank you very much. No worries. Cool. Yeah. So there's there's this dwarf who who is kind of whistling and whittling on this old wooden chair beside uh, a submarine. Uh, hello. Oh, yes, hello. We're here to, to go to the Ark. Oh, yes, you are. Okay, yes, absolutely. Um, First things first, you do need to get suited up. 
and he points over to three lockers that have these very large red jumpsuits. Just uh, just put one of those on and uh, uh, come back to me and we'll get you get you situated and we will be on our way in no time. Do you have Yoski sized ones? <laughs> just just get in and press the button. You'll see. Uh, yeah, I pop one on. I have four arms. I put one on as well, I guess. You guys climb into these like huge suits. And the second you're in, there is like a little button on the chest that you press and they shrink and expand. Merrick, yours grows an extra pair of or set of arms for you and they fit perfectly snug around you. That's pretty cool. You could now, if you wanted to, like there's a zipper at the front. You could like take it off and on and keep it. It, it stays the size you are in until you hit it again and they become big. So it's not like it's skin tight to you. It is just, it is now shaped to you and you can take it on and off like any other clothing. And once you get back to the dwarf, he says, all right, then get on board and we'll be on our way. Uh, I get in. Yeah. Let's rock and roll. Like quiet, <laughs> somberly get in. Yeah. Uh, you guys get in. Um, you strap yourselves into sort of those drop seat style seats. And there are uh, fairly large windows on either side, those like round portholes. And you guys begin diving deep, really, really deep. And for a while, it is just sort of nothing but the dark abyss of the Cerulean Sea. After about 45 minutes, you begin to see some lights in the distance. And as you get closer, you realize that this facility is huge. And you get closer and closer to it, you see these large domes that are attached to a a large central column. And inside you can see a bunch of different biomes. You see a like snowy tundra. You see a dense jungle. You see a sprawling plains. And every now and then you'll see animals galloping in large packs across. And as you go across the jungle, you see this big, like, slug flying manta ray thing catch you guys floating by. And it floats over to the glass and just kind of follows you slowly, watching you as you sail past. And then once it's, like, reached the edge, it just goes back to to flying around. And you eventually dock in what looks like a like a cargo hold and you reemerge in this moon pool and the dwarf leans back and says I hope you don't mind but uh I was instructed to bring you to not the visitor entrance for security reasons so not quite the grand entrance that you'd normally make upon the station but much safer thank you uh, did we get your name by chance oh um I'm Captain Scroff. My pleasure, Scroff. Darn. Go I'll be, I'll be waiting here for you to uh, bring you back to the surface whenever you're ready. Uh, thank you, Scroff. And the door opens, and a gangplank extends out to the, the the dock, and you are able to walk out into this large hall. And in the distance, you see a small, almost Yusoki-sized creature who is like fiddling around with stuff on a nearby desk and once he hears you disembark he turns around and scampers quickly over to you and you realize he is uh, not Yusoki but actually a kind of like a squirrel he looks almost exactly like a squirrel he's this uh, dark brown creature 
with a big bushy tail and these big beady eyes and two large front teeth. Despite the fact that his head looks like it's way too big for his body, he moves with a, a nimble grace that you wouldn't really expect from someone of his size. Uh, and he has these little clawed hands that he wraps his tail around to the front of it and is like stroking his tail while kind of wrapped up around in it. And he's wearing a white lab coat over a very similar red jumpsuit that you are currently wearing. And he says, what, 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 hello, hi, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm Dr. Link Lapis. And, and, and I'm uh, Dr. Charlotte Ross's uh, assistant. And she sent me here to, to greet you. Hi. Uh, thank you, Doctor. Yeah, time is of the essence, so let's just go ahead and find Dr. Ross, okay? A- absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. Uh, also, oh, sorry, did I introduce myself? I'm Link. And he reaches out a clawed hand. I shake his clawed hand. Yeah, I'll, I'll shake I. it too. Pleasure, Link. Um, and he shakes it, like, so fast. Like, like, and then <laughs> moves to the next one, shakes it really fast, shakes it really fast, and then uh, just starts running off towards a round circular door that splits open as he approaches and he turns around and he says are you coming you said thomas is there right yeah Tom, we're, co- we're co- oh. yep yeah yes. yeah let's yeah we're, we're going we're going we're coming yeah let's try to keep up with them i guess well it's not that hard because once he gets into the tube and they are these round sort of tubes that lead from from area to area they are completely see-through glass and the second something swims past he runs over to the to the glass and like slams up against it and he's like oh, umbrasalis minor oh my god i love this character so much um and then as it floats away he starts scampering again and then something else swims by and he said he looks at you and goes oh, it's a plank of littoral. and he watches it and finally as you are approaching the last door he stops and his mouth just drops open and he slowly walks and presses his face and you can see his breath leaving like fog on the glass as he points out the window to a school of these really, really bright fish. And he says, a whole school of swords in Refigalia. Wow. Sorry. Come on right this way. Why do I feel like this guy would really get on with short Jack? <laughs> um, he, he scampers to the He's definitely door. not a rabbit, right? You said squirrel. No, it's He's a squirrel. squirrel. Yes. Okay. I just, Hey, I just wanted to double check. Uh, the doors slide open again and you walk out into a big square room that has another moon pool in it. And there is a woman wearing another one of these red jumpsuits that is uh, tied. It's like off her shoulders and tied down around her waist. And she's wearing a black tank top and she has graying uh, auburn hair that is tied into a tight ponytail. And she has these thick rim glasses on and She's calmly giving orders to these researchers and assistants who are scampering around the lab. And above the moon pool is a large tank that is filled with several of these blue seal-like creatures. And some of their fins have been replaced with a mechanical fin, like a metal fin. And they're kind of swimming around and doing like figure eights in the tank. There's two or three of them. And she's like, all right, y'all, like, Bring it down slow. Nice and slow. That's good. That's good. All right, buddies. We're going to get you home in no time with that new old shiny flipper. Looking good. Looking good, pals. And she points over while still sort of like focusing on the seal. She points over to a uh, a human who is currently at a, a control panel. And she's like, all right, now open the moon pool. And the moon pool slides open. And she says, all right, now we're going to lower them in nice and easy. And we'll see how they fare. And the tank begins lowering. 
And when it's about a foot away from the water, a large muscular arm reaches up and punches through the side of the tank. Oh God. One of the seals and pulls it through and down into the water. And within seconds, blood fills the moon pool. Was that meant to happen? Immediately there's panic. And the woman who's standing at the moon pool backs off and she says, all right, we need to close this right away. Close it, close it, close it. And the the arm reaches up again and grabs another one of these seals and pulls it down and more blood. And this time the carcass gets thrown up through the water onto the ground and it has been completely torn apart. And it looks like someone has taken, you know, kind of when you take a chicken wing and hold it by the end, pull the meat off it. Yeah, someone has done that to this seal. Can we start saving these seals now? Yeah, please. I want to help. It, who's um, doing this? It's, you just guys, feel, it's another vending machine. You just <laughs> <feel> very- <laughs> if a fucking vending machine comes out of the moon, <laughs> it's its older brother, Vando. <laughs> the moon pool begins closing, and as it's just about closed, two hands reach up and grab the edges and the metal bends under its grip as it's thrown open and with the force those two hands slingshot out and you see this huge shark with massive muscular arms land onto the deck and begin like gorilla walking towards you a group of uh, armed guards in these red jumpsuits form a line in front of you and with one swift swipe the three of them go flying as it begins continuing to charge towards you opening its mouth revealing its rows of razor sharp teeth 